Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to the Story Church Podcast. Our podcast features audio from Sunday mornings at Story Church in Peru, Indiana, a community on the mission of connecting people's story to God's story. If you'd like to connect with us further, check out storyperu.com. Our hope is that today's episode helps you take your next step on your faith journey. Well, I am uh, super excited for the next four weeks as we kick off this journey together that we're calling I'm In. Uh, These next few weeks may feel a little different, so if you're new here, um, I'll talk to you in just a second. Uh, If you're regular around here, like I said, it's going to feel a little little different. I I don't want to say less practical because I think there's a lot that we can practice and apply about what we're going to talk about together, but maybe less like... I don't know, here's something helpful from Jesus to your life. And a little more like a family meeting, uh, a little more like, I don't know, like there'll be some Bible teaching. So if you came to church, like you'll get what you came for, I, I hope. But uh, it's like just a little more like organizational talk or just an update about, about where we are and really where we're headed next and we feel like God is inviting us into. And uh, if you are new here, um, maybe it feels like a weird week to show up as we're talking about what we're talking about. But I hope uh, along the way that what you hear about where we're at and where we're headed, it actually causes you to lean in. It causes you to get more curious about uh, what you just wandered into in the middle of the Roxy Theater. And I hope at the very end, at the very least, you look at this group of people around you and you think, wow, they're, they're in, right? They're in with this whole Jesus mission and they're in with this uh, idea, as we say it here at Story, of connecting people's story to God's story. And if you're here and you've been around for a while, um, I hope that what we talk about and as we share some details about where we're headed next, uh, I hope it causes you to lean in even more as well. That, that it's kind of a re-energizing, refocusing, re-envisioning of who our church is and where we're headed over the course of these next few weeks. Um, but as you can tell in great big letters behind me, uh, this whole initiative that we're kicking off for these next four weeks and really uh, that's going to lead us into the next few years together is all wrapped around this phrase or this idea of saying, I'm in. And uh, those two words, I'm in, they're powerful words, aren't they? Uh, Like, they're powerful words sometimes when you receive them and somebody says, hey, you're in. Like, uh, if there's any Taylor Swift fans in the house, do you guys remember last October when uh, the Eras tour was announced and you were all like, hey, man, I got to get my tickets? And and then uh, Ticketmaster, like, shut down and and nobody could get their tickets. Did you guys hear about this on the news? Is it just me? Am I the only Swifty in the house? Okay, yeah, so what happened, if you didn't know, like, there was this, like, special promo code, because we're cracking down on Ticketmaster, because there's all those fees and all that stuff that's in there, and you can have your own opinion about that, but uh, all these people wanted to sign up for the Taylor Swift concert, but then Ticketmaster servers crashed, and it was this crisis, and I saw, like, all my friends from college and people on social media posting, like, grieving uh, pictures and videos of, like, I thought I was going to get in, and I didn't make it, and uh, it's up on the screen. I saw this meme that kind of captures it. It's, like, Taylor Swift walking onto stage with no one in the audience, because that Ticketmaster Master Q never did move. Uh, it was a sad thing for all the Taylor Swift fans around there. So if that's you today, I feel you. I'm so sorry. Uh, unless you're the one who got in, right? Because there's a select group of people that they're like, I'm in. I made it. And they feel even more special knowing that all that chaos happened surrounding it. Uh, I was thinking about the power of, of saying I'm in or, or getting in as it relates to my Disney experience. So last October as well, uh, my family took a vacation down to uh, the happiest place on earth. And we were headed to Disneyland, but they changed, or Disney World. But they changed uh, their system recently to where there's this thing, and if you've been, you know, like you have to do homework before you go to Disney anymore. Uh, it's called Genie Plus and Lightning Lanes, and if you really want to experience everything, you've got to like reserve spots in advance, but they only open up at a certain time on that day. Uh, so we stayed at my grandpa's condo, which is about an hour north of Orlando, which means to go to Disney, we had an hour drive every morning. And, and so we were headed there, but like 
the time that the lightning lane opened up, specifically for the Avatar ride and for the Star Wars ride, so the one that I wanted to go on, uh, the, the time that the lightning lane opened up was like every morning right when we were merging off or merging onto I-4, which if you've ever driven on I-4, it's chaos, right? Especially like the morning when Disney's opening. And, and so I'm not gonna say that I did some like sketchy like here, Ashley, get on the phone, like reserve our spot while I'm driving or anything like that, because that's not safe, like don't text and drive. But like, I got in, okay? And it was really exciting when, when I got in, because it was like, I'm in, I made it. Like, uh, and so there's a great feeling when you do that. Uh, maybe you've experienced this, if you've ever gone to a big city and you wanted to eat at a fancy restaurant, right? But the space is limited, and they tell you like, hey, we can fit you in, right? I mean, there's nothing better than when you walk into a restaurant and you see that big line out the door and you're like, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm gonna get in. They're like, there's just two of you, we can make room. Right? That, that's an amazing feeling when you're in. If nothing else, we all know the joy of feeling like you're in with a group of people. The, the, the sense of belonging and community that you can feel, uh, there's nothing better than feeling like, hey, I, I'm in with these people, these people are with me. And, and there's significant moments in life, I think, where we say I'm in as well. A, a marriage proposal, right, is like the ultimate risky ask to be like, hey, like, will you? Are you? And, and for some of us, we get lucky and like a woman or, or man, I guess if you ask, like a, a woman says, yes, like I'm in, I will, I'll give it a shot, right? And for a lot of us, it works out. We'll see, it's crazy. Uh, maybe for you, like you got your dream job and you got that email or that phone call that said, hey, you got it, you're in, right? You got into your dream school and you remember getting that acceptance letter and maybe you like pinned it on the side of the fridge or your kids just got into that school and they pinned it on the side of the fridge because they're so excited. Um, having a kid is like the ultimate, I'm in, experience, right? Whether you want to be or not, here it comes. Like, it's going to change the rest of your life. There's a clear before or after. And there's so much power in commitment like that. There's so much power in those moments where, where it changes our lives because we're all in with something. And in fact, on the positive side, that's true. But I would imagine for you, if you're like me, uh, at some point you bumped into what I call the bad idea friend, which is that friend who always comes up with the bad ideas of stuff that you should do. And they probably, at one point, again, if you're like me, multiple points, they told you like some crazy idea that they should do. And you were like, I'm in, <laughs> and then you did the thing, and you're like, I shouldn't have been in, that was a bad idea. And if you don't have that friend, it's probably you, okay, just so you know. But anyway, there's power in those commitments. And um, I'm in a current, like I'm in season, and uh, if you follow me on social media, you probably knew I had to talk about this, but uh, I just, uh, this past week, started YMCA soccer practice with my daughter, Eden. Uh, there she is, looking all cute and excited. Uh, it's a four and five-year-old team. And I said, I'm in to coach this team. Uh, if you didn't notice, like, I've got this whistle around my neck. And, uh, like, poor Sarah, my poor wife, my poor family. Like, these past few weeks, ever since I said yes, like, yeah, I'll coach it, I've gone, like, full on into soccer mode. Uh, <laughs> so I've been, like, researching plays. And, and like, like, I showed up with a clipboard. Right? I had a whistle. I was ready to go. I knew the roster. We came up with a team chant. Like, I'm in, okay? I was being made fun of over the past few weeks about how much I am in and dialed in because it's four to five-year-old soccer, right? Like, there's really only one play and it's stay on the field. <laughs> like, step away from the ball. <laughs> in fact, our express goals from the YMCA for this season are stop when you hear the whistle and try and move towards your goal. Like, <laughs> that's it. But, but anyway, I'm like, I've got the clipboard, I've got the socks, the, the cleats, the shin guards, the width, like, I'm in. And, and do you know why I'm in? Like, do you know why this is a big deal for me? One, I'm a nerd. But two, because it's a big deal to Eden, right? Because I'm invested in her and because it's important to her, I'm all in and my wife and my friends can make fun of me all they want. I'm like, we're going for it. And you watch out, the Quakes are gonna win this season, <laughs> all, all four weeks of our season. But uh, on a more serious note, like I can remember an I'm in moment 
uh, for my life when we, when we decided to plant this church. Uh, it, it was like a before and after for sure, and I can remember having the meeting. Uh, it was back in 2017, the first time we started this whole thing, uh, that I met with uh, the leadership team of the church I was on staff with, and, and they asked me, like, hey, would you consider uh, going up to Peru and uh, starting this campus at, at the time of our church? And I was like, I'm in, early on, but I had to go talk to my wife, right? So we went back, and, and we talked about it, and eventually we made that big decision, and whichever iteration of our church you want to pick, like there's been these moments where it's like, are we in deleted? Are we in to move forward? And last uh, September, I guess two Septembers ago now, in September of 21, I, I can remember it took like to the next level when we actually picked up and we moved uh, from Kokomo into Peru, into this community. And, and it was like this risky feeling, like, I mean, again, it's not like Lima, Peru, right? It's like a half hour away from my family, but it, it was picking up uh, my family, my friend group uh, from the community that I grew up in, and, and moving and stepping into something new and stepping in to something unknown. And it's a big choice to go all in with something. It, it's a big choice, whether it's your friend group or, or a marriage or trying to get into a concert. It's a big choice, right, to say I'm in. Uh, but I think today that it's an even bigger risk if you play it safe and you never step out. Like, I think we all know the risk of stepping out and trying to do something bold and trying to do something exciting. And maybe you've had a dream and, and you've tried to step out and you're like, man, I know how risky that feels. But I think there's an even greater risk of doing nothing. There's an even greater risk. It doesn't seem like it on the surface, but often we're tempted to play it safe in life, aren't we? Uh, we're tempted to stay comfortable because it's comfortable. <laughs> like, it makes perfect sense. This is why uh, we're at April now. Like, some of us started gym memberships in January, and we quit by February, right? I'm with you. I, I still have the membership, but not the attendance record. So uh, the reason we do this is because the couch is comfy, right? Like, it's because our familiar routines are comfortable. But the thing about comfort is comfort is often the enemy of growth. Comfort can often be the very thing that keeps us from stepping out and from growing, whether that's physically like going to the gym or, or changing our eating habits or something like that, or relationally with some of the patterns that we've worn uh, in our relationships, or even spiritually. Oftentimes comfort can be the enemy of growth. And honestly, spiritually for us as a church, one of my greatest fears for story is that we would grow comfortable doing good things for God and miss out on the greater things he may call us to, right? That, that we might get comfortable with uh, the format of our services and like the lights and the music and the way that it's all going. We're like, yeah, I like it. And it was entertaining and a little helpful and all that stuff. Uh, but that we would get comfortable and unintentionally maybe succeed in pursuing lesser things than what God ultimately wants for us. Uh, that we might fall in love with our programs but lose sight of our purpose and the why behind us gathering every single weekend. And at the same time, Daryl alluded to this, like don't get me wrong, there is a ton to celebrate as far as what God has done so far here at Story and even in recent days what he's been doing. Uh, so he mentioned this past weekend, uh, just yesterday, um, Sarah and I went down to the YMCA Kids Fair that they hosted. And uh, the reason it was Sarah and I is because I knew nothing about this. I got a random email and they're like, hey, do you guys want to be a part of it? And I turned to her like three weeks ago and was like, hey, should we be a part of this? She's like, yeah. And then Easter happened, right? And so <laughs> like Monday, we're like, oh yeah, that's this weekend. So we set up this booth, uh, we hung out there, Sarah's awesome and put together a craft. Uh, thanks to your generosity, we actually were able to donate two bikes to the event uh, that will be raffled off to some of the kids who are there in attendance. Uh, but it was an incredible experience. And we we're going to do this in the years ahead, and we'll invite you to be a part of it as well now that I know what we're doing. Uh, but we had at least 200 families, if not 300 families, walk through and, and do a craft, and we were getting to sit there and talk to them. And uh, here's something cool. We passed out literally all of our <laughs> remaining uh, just general story invite cards. I was just like handing them out. And Sarah leaned over. She's like, that's the last one. Like, Good. 
we did it, right? We made it. We're going to get more, so we'll keep doing it. But uh, it was this incredible invite opportunity. And one of the really cool things that kept happening is people would come up and we'd say, hey, we're Story Church. We meet at the Roxy. And they go, oh, you did the egg drop, right? Remember the egg drop? We've got, it's the same pictures as last week, but I'm still excited and celebrating. So you can see them again uh, just last week on Saturday. Uh, we did the egg drop. We had, again, about 300 uh, kids come out and engage in that, and it was amazing. Uh, we've got some more pictures. You can just scroll through them, Carter. Uh, our volunteer team did such an incredible job serving people, and uh, my favorite thing, again, yesterday, as we were talking to these families, is they're like, oh, yeah, that was a great experience. We loved it, and so it was this little drop in the bucket for these people. That they, they met us then, and the next week, they saw us at the YMCA fair, and uh, by the way, last Sunday was Easter. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? It was a good experience. Um, here's something really exciting and something that we can celebrate. It was our largest service that we've had yet, so I think we were right around 250 people total. It's Pastor Easter numbers, right? So 250 might be a slight roundup. But yeah, that's something to celebrate for sure. Uh, I think we were pushing like 41 kids in one of our services. So that's like probably all of you right now. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Uh, and, and then one last thing I want to celebrate that really is kind of the bedrock behind all these things, it's the reason that we're able to host events and make an impact in the community, uh, is I want to celebrate your generosity uh, over the course of the past year. Uh, we often ask about it and we celebrate it and we talk about why it's a spiritual value for us to give, but I feel like I'm pretty bad at celebrating and saying thank you. Uh, but your generosity has been incredible over the past year. When we looked at uh, the year of 2022, uh, we set our budget right at $100,000. It was our first full calendar year and we didn't know really what to expect, so we just tried to play it conservative. We set our budget at $100,000, and uh, last year, because of your faithful generosity, we actually received in more like $130,000. And, and so with that uh, extra, with that gap, we're able to do more ministry and reapply it. And so, again, let's just like all together actually celebrate and like, yeah, be grateful for what God is doing. Be grateful that you're a part of it. Here's the thing, though, behind all that, all of those amazing things, right? They're, they're things that we want to celebrate. They're things that we want to uh, thank God for, but they're not meant to keep us from continuing to step out and, and continuing to pursue the greater things that God has for us. And so uh, with the rest of our time together, I want to talk about a big opportunity that's in front of us and this invitation for you to be in uh, for the journey of where we're headed over the next few years. And if you've been around, you've, you've heard us talk about this uh, just about a year ago, like almost to the weekend, uh, we had the opportunity to acquire some property in downtown Peru, and we'll show you a picture of the building. Uh, it doesn't look like a lot right now, and it still doesn't look like a lot a year later. Uh, it's the old Knights of Columbus building, and for a little bit it had a photography studio in it. For a long time it just sat empty, but uh, to give you like the full backstory, uh, we have been looking for the right home for our church, like permanent home for our church. The Roxy is amazing, uh, but we want a, a permanent home just so we can do more ministry and apply more resources uh, towards reaching people. And uh, like since 2018, when we first started, we've been pursuing what is the right home. And I won't go through all the gory details, but it, there's been opportunity after opportunity where you thought, oh, that's the property. And, and we started like running down the road of it and I started getting excited. I probably even told some of you about it because I tend to get a little excited and talk before I should talk. But, uh, and then something got in the way every single time. It was like, oh my gosh, open door, God, you're amazing. Nope, close the door. <laughs> and, and then like the next year we had another opportunity. At one time we thought we were gonna uh, purchase the building that is now Two Days uh, Boutique on the corner. And I had this big vision for like, oh, we're gonna do this mission-based business and we're gonna reach the community and it's gonna be amazing. Nope, close the door, right? And, and so I, I was in this frustration zone with it, honestly, where it, it felt like God would open a door and then he'd close it in my face time and time again. And I would get our team excited and then I'd have to like, re-rally their energy. Sometimes I even got the whole church excited, and I was like, here's where we're going. We're going to announce it, and then we never announced it because it didn't happen, right? And, and so I was in this frustration spot, and about a year ago, uh, the opportunity to 
potentially acquire this property showed up again uh, on our doorstep. And we're like, okay, God, are you in it? I'm, I'm kind of hesitant, right? We're exploring it. But at this point, I'm like, we're a pretty young organization still. We need to do our due diligence and, and figure out what we can even finance and if it's responsible for us to purchase it. Uh, so that was like on Tuesday that we heard the news and we talked about it as our, our staff team. Then by uh, Thursday of that same week, a friend of mine who's a realtor called me and said, hey, I'm sorry, there's an offer in on that building. And if you want that building, like, you got you to gotta move today. I'm like, I haven't even talked to the bank yet. Right? Like I, I don't know any more today than I knew on Tuesday because my week goes fast. And, uh, so I'm like in that frustration zone as in. Again, I'm like, open door, close the door, right? Here we go again, God. Uh, but there is an incredibly generous family in our church who heard about this story and, and they decided, no, we're not going to do that again, right? We're going to pry this door open if, it's, if God's leaving a crack. And so uh, they actually stepped in and they acquired it for us to then purchase from them later uh, just basically to buy us some time to figure out uh, what we could do. And so that was an amazing thing. We were able to grab that property, like I said, in May of last year. And as we were doing that, um, right behind the property, there were like five houses that the person who owned this building also owned those houses. And when they heard that a church had acquired the property and were interested in, in putting their church facility there, they actually uh, changed the terms of the, the previous sale. They were going to sell all five of those houses uh, to somebody to develop them into rental units. Uh, but they heard, hey, there's going to be a church here. And so they reached out and they said, well, do you want the house that's directly behind that as well? And so they gave us an incredible deal. We said, yes, we purchased uh, this house with cash. And uh, for me, it started to relieve one of those, like, what in the world, what are we doing kind of moments? Because we got the building, right? And I'm standing there, I'm like, where are we going to park? Like, uh, Gabriel's is busy, right? Even on Sundays, like, what are we going to do? And uh, then God drops this opportunity in our lap and we're able to acquire that property. If you don't know the property well, uh, just to the east of the property is the old YMCA building. And, And so we're still kind of in talks with, uh, the executive director and the board at the Y of like what the future is for that property and don't get too excited because it's a bigger fish than we can fry right now as far as buying it and renovating it. Uh, likely it will be demolished and could become parking for us or maybe future expansion space for us down the road. But it's been this really cool, exciting opportunity where God has shown up and it's been like one step after another. He opens this door, then he opens the next door and, and then he opens the next door. And uh, we actually talked to a realtor who uh, put together some concepts of what this facility could look like. So uh, some of our volunteers and and bought-in leaders were able to see this first, but for some of you, this will be the first time that you've seen this. But here's a floor plan of what our future home could look like. Uh, So we've got a lobby. If you're looking uh, kind of this area on the right side of the screen, um, that's going to be our kids' wing over there. We'll still have coffee and connection and all that stuff. There's restrooms kind of in the middle, and then we'll have our auditorium off on the other side. And we actually put together some, like, wireframe mock-ups, which don't like judge this as the final rendering okay like the people are still transparent and it's just kind of like a rough like what it could look like but here's a picture of what the lobby could look like uh looking in from our front doors if you want to throw that picture up carter yeah so that's looking in like i said we'll still have our coffee spot set up room for us to hang out there's a fireplace which is kind of cool we're going to try and restore that and make it a nice cozy space for us to gather uh there's another photo if you want to see it kind of looking back towards those front doors um, I mentioned we're going to have a secure kids wing, so I'm really excited for that, to have dedicated space for our kids and our family ministry. Uh, this is not a great wireframe, but we'll show it to you anyway. <laughs> it's an idea of what the kids' lobby will look like uh, behind those black doors that are mocked up there. Uh, there's going to be kids' classrooms where we can continue our environments that we host here. And then uh, here's a mock-up of what the auditorium could look like as well. And it's been funny, uh, as I've talked to people, some people have been in that property before, they know what the building uh, even currently looks like, and they've asked, like, so is that what it's going to feel like? Like we're just going to go in like the white cinder block building and like tear all this down or something. That's not what it's going to look like. Okay, it's going to be very similar to our experience here at the Roxy, just 
lower ceilings and less popcorn pretty much is going to be the difference. <laughs> but um, we're really excited for this, and I hope you are too. I mean, that's one of my goals today is just to let you in and invite you to, to partner with us as we move uh, in the direction of this new facility. But I'm excited about it uh, for all kinds of reasons. I mean, having our own space... One, it's going to relieve the burden of setup and teardown and, and just the grind that that can be. Uh, two, even beyond that, it's going to give us opportunity for more ministry. Like, it's been really amazing. We have host homes who host our student ministry, but our student ministry is going to actually have dedicated space, right, where we can hang out in the auditorium and, and, and take our time and break out into small groups. Uh, our small groups for adults can have space that we can gather in during the week. I, I'm excited for new potential ministry opportunities uh, that can happen throughout the week. Things like maybe tutoring for, for local students because we're not that far from the school uh, or maybe other classes like financial peace or things that could just help people because something we want to do is we want to make Peru a better place to live and having our own space will make it possible for us to do even more ministry. Now here comes the thing, right? The thing about building projects is they cost money. <laughs> the thing about building projects is it's not free. And so there's two reasons why we're doing this I'm in uh, journey together. A and I really mean this first one. Uh, it's a spiritual journey that we're going to go on together for the next two years. Okay, this isn't just technical. It's not just transactional. It's really this journey we're going on together to help us move into our new home and to help us move into the next chapter of our growth and development as a local church. It it's an invitation that we're going to lay before you for the next few weeks to step out of our comfort zone and, and step into faith and trust in a new way. A and it's really, it's an opportunity for all of us to get some skin in the game as we step into the next chapter together. And um, I just want to acknowledge really quickly, I know that generosity and money and church is like a loaded topic, right? As soon as I said like the building costs something, it was like you felt the energy suck out of the room because uh, sometimes we get this impression, right? Like the church just wants my money. And if you're new here and you felt that, I'm not helping today, am I? <laughs> but, but like uh, we've all heard the stories of the abuses of churches and church leaders as it relates to finances. And even churches that maybe well-intended that have really, in my opinion, weird practices. Like, like there, I've heard of churches that really push the idea of tithing or giving 10% of your income back to God. And uh, they take it so far as they actually like have people, if they want to be a member of that church, bring in their tax statement so they can like cross-reference their giving to their income and, and find out like, hey, did you really give 10%? And if you didn't, you're out. We're not doing that, okay? That's, that's not what I'm talking about today as it relates to generosity. And on one level, I, I want to acknowledge the tension, right? I want to acknowledge that, uh, that there's an ask attached to this type of a season and this type of an opportunity. Uh, the truth that I also want you to see today is, is that intentional generosity is actually a spiritual thing. That, that intentional generosity, it's actually a part of what it really means to follow Jesus. And uh, we use language around it again that can feel kind of corporate or organizationally, like a capital campaign or a generosity initiative. Uh, but what I want to show you just real quickly today is that things like generosity initiatives, they're not a 21st century megachurch thing, uh, but rather it's something God has done time and time again throughout the story of his people to set them up for the next opportunity in ministry. And in fact, the very first sanctuary, if you want to consider it that, uh, was called the Tabernacle. And it's recorded in the book of Exodus as Moses is leading the people. Uh, they begin to construct the first tabernacle or the first sanctuary. And what Moses does is he finds these skilled people with really cool names and he asks them to do what God has gifted them to do. And the text says it in this way in Exodus 36. It says that Bezalel, Oliab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given skill and ability to know how to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work as the Lord has commanded. And Moses summoned Bezalel and Oliab and the skilled person to whom the Lord had given the ability and was willing to come and do the work. 
So Moses finds a general contractor, right? Moses finds the construction crew, the people with the skills and the abilities to actually develop uh, this facility, this uh, tabernacle that they're gonna build. But what's said next is really important for the journey that we're about to take together as well. He goes on and he says that the, they, the builders, the skilled people, received from Moses all of the offerings that the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So here's what can be tempting in these kinds of initiatives, right? It's like, hey, I don't know how to swing a hammer, and so we'll get the skilled people to do it, and good luck to them. But what this text reveals to us is that all of us have a part to play. Uh, we, Moses found the skilled laborers. He found the right people to do the job, but it was the offerings of the people of God that were contributed to the project to make it become a reality. And I love how this story ends, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you the end of uh, what happens as these people give. It, it says this, that all the skilled workers and the people who were doing the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing, and they said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp, no man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from being, bringing more because they already had what was more than enough to do all the work. And I would love to have that problem here at Story, okay? Like, I'm not telling you to stop bringing the offering because we have more than enough yet. Uh, but my point in this is that God has always used ordinary, everyday people who love him, who trust him, who want to follow him to move his work forward. And that's going to be the invitation as we step into this next season together too. There's going to be skilled laborers and contractors, and that's a whole other story that I don't have time for today. Uh, but contractors who are going to show up and help us along the way. God's lined up some uh, new friendships that I've made that are really skilled people who are going to be a part of it. But uh, while skilled laborers will work on the project, this is an invitation for all of us to fund it and for all of us to be a part of it. And in many ways, it's a call for us to step out in faith. It's a call for us to say, hey, I'm in. I I'm going to be a part of this. And it reminds me of yet another story that's really been on my mind over this past year throughout this season and throughout this uh, time where I feel like God is calling us to step out. It's one I identified with in the early days of planning the church and I still identify with in so many ways. Uh, it's the story of Abram. And if you don't know Abram, he's central to the beginnings of the people of God, this nation of Israel uh, that God creates to bless the entire world. Uh, but God was, or I'm sorry, Abram was in this space where life felt comfortable, life felt stable, life felt predictable. And then God shows up and he basically upsets the apple cart. And here's how he does it. God shows up to Abram and it says this, that the Lord says to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. And sometimes, like, we read this as a Bible story, and we think, oh, that's cool. God showed up to Abram. Of course, Abram's going to do what God says, because it's the Bible, and that's what people are supposed to do in the Bible, right? But if you think about Abram the person, he had, like, a stable, regular, everyday life that existed. And, and I don't know exactly if it was this audible voice from God, or just, like, a general nudge, or a sense, but somehow he heard God. He heard God show up and say to him, hey, it's time to go, but he doesn't like, give him the whole roadmap. Right? He says, go to the place where I'm going to show you. And this idea was revolutionary in the ancient world. Like in the ancient world, most people uh, died about two miles from where they were born. People just didn't travel. It was difficult. It was expensive. It was dangerous to travel. And here, let me like break down just really quick this instruction that God has given to Abram in this moment. He says, leave your country which in those days, your country or your tribe or your people, that was your source of safety and security. Uh, it, it was this way that people bound together to keep themselves safe in a difficult world. So he says, leave your country, leave all that. He says, leave your people. 
leave the place where you're known, the place where you belong, the place where you feel in, right? And we can't understand how big of a deal this was in Abram's culture because we're so individualistic here in America. We're like, yeah, I've got friends when I want them, right? <laughs> but, but in the ancient world, there was this communal society. The idea of leaving your people was extraordinary to step out in that way. And he takes it even one step farther, farther and God says, leave your father. In other words, leave your family, Leave the predictable path for your life where you are an apprentice to your father and you are going to pick up his trade and, and you are going to follow in his footsteps. Like he's saying, give up your plan. Give up the predictable nature of your life. And instead, I'll take you to the land where I will show you. And if Abram is anything like me and I'm guessing anything like you, he's probably like, okay, show me. <laughs> and then I'll think about going, right? Like, like where's the map? How far is it going to be? What's the weather like there? Is there somewhere for me to live? Like, all the questions that show up for us. But God doesn't typically operate in that way. Rather, we want the full plan, but what God tends to do for us is he gives us the next step. He's like, hey, go to the place I'm going to show you as you go. Go, step out, and, and then I'll show you the next step, and then I'll show you the next step, and then I'll show you the next step. And again, for our building initiative. That's been the story so far for us. I, I told you about these opportunities that just kind of dropped in our lap. We're like, okay, we'll step into it. Uh, last fall, we did a work day on the building and it was everybody's favorite day because it was demo day. And uh, we got some pictures from it. Uh, a group of guys and girls came out and we uh, started ripping down the drop ceiling in the building. If you want to show those pictures, Carter. Uh, we pulled out like the old lights and the old electrical. We just made this big old mess and it's still in there like dust and piles of stuff everywhere. And then like winter happened and uh, we turned off the utilities so that nothing froze and nothing went crazy there. And it just like sat there <laughs> for months with all this dust and dirt and craziness. We're like, hey, we started, right? Now we're waiting for the next opportunity. Uh, and basically nothing happened with the building outside of working on those architecture plans and that until I believe it was February of this year, uh, John Mongosa is part of our church, reached out and said, hey, the Kokomo Event Center is selling chairs and they're selling them like for half the price of what we would be able to buy them new. And so we decided, okay, God, right? <laughs> Let's say yes to the next step. And, and so we bought this stack of chairs and a group of us went over and we uh, picked up 200 chairs, loaded them up in a trailer uh, and brought them over to the building. And so uh, right now sitting in the building, there's like piles of dust and debris and stuff that we tore down and then beautiful great condition chairs that we're going to sit in for worship someday that's not the order that you typically do things on a building project right typically you have a plan then you execute the plan like tearing it down and building it back up then you buy the furniture we were like tear it down work on the plan put some furniture in it execute the plan like, it's just all out of order and honestly there's a side of me that's like are we crazy doing it this way but what we're trying to do is just say yes to each opportunity God drops in front of us. We're saying yes to the next step, not the whole plan as it lays in front of us. And, and so speaking of the plan, we do have a plan. And, and let me get to the nuts and bolts of what this I'm in journey is really going to mean for us and, and really what we're asking from you over these next four weeks and into the next two years together. Uh, what we're asking for you as a part of this I'm in journey is we're inviting everyone to say that they're in with Story Church and with God's future for us uh, by growing in our faith and growing in our trust and growing in our sacrifice. Uh, and the only way that we can do this, uh, here's like the nervous organization leader side of me, the only way we can step into this is if all of us get in the game, is if all of us come together to help uh, build and fund our new family or our new home and ultimately our new future. And, and so the only way that we can do this is if all of us are willing to open ourselves up to God and grow and stretch ourselves. And that's why the number one goal for this initiative that we're launching over the course of these next four weeks, our, my number one goal for us is 100% engagement 
from everybody who calls Story Church your home. In fact, if you're here and you're just checking stuff out, I'd love for you to get in the game as well. But for those of us who are like, yeah, this is my church and I love this place, we're asking you to somehow get in the game over these next two years as as we pledge these funds together uh, to step into our new facility. And and here's what I know. It's that all of us can engage at different levels, right? And that's okay. I'm not asking everyone to give the same amount towards this project because all of us are at different places spiritually and all of us have different realities financially. So we know that. Like, uh, we'll get to actual dollars and cents in just a minute. But the number one thing I want is for everyone to do something. Not equal amounts, but equal sacrifice. For, for all of us to lean in and let God lead us and say, hey, yeah, I'm in. And uh, I'm going to get like real nuts and bolts for a second. We'll talk about this over the course of the next few weeks because it's a little complicated how we're figuring this out. But uh, we're going to calculate that commitment by uh, calling this a two-year journey, a two-year giving initiative that's going to start on our commitment Sunday, which is May 7th at the end of this series. So on May 7th, we're going to ask you to actually make a commitment or a pledge to be a part of this initiative for the next two years And here's the maybe slightly complicated part. Uh, Over those two years, we're going to approach this generosity initiative with what's called a one-fund approach. Uh, So here's what sometimes happens in like a capital campaign. It's like above and beyond your regular giving, we're going to raise X dollars. And that's great, and it's really project-focused, and in some ways we're doing that. But what a one-fund approach does is it basically says, hey, your regular giving counts too. Like your regular faithful giving counts too because, again, it's what keeps us going, and we need that to keep going for us to keep going. So uh, that counts, and the one fund basically means uh, that we're going to include your regular generosity in whatever your pledge is. So if you give regularly already, you've already got a number to start from, right? If you don't, you've already got a starting point, right? (laughs) How to get in the game. Uh, But there's really going to be three ways that you can financially partner with us as a part of this I'm in journey. The first is uh, to give a one-time gift. So this would be like an above and beyond my regular giving. Maybe you have some resources in savings or you had a good year and you have a little extra or whatever it may be. A a one-time gift that you could just give lump sum uh, from savings or from investments or whatever it may be. And if possible, if you plan to make a one-time gift, you can designate that. uh, I believe even already on our giving platform, you can check I'm in and it'll designate that giving. Uh, But if you're going to make a one-time gift, if it's possible, we're asking you to make that gift on our Commitment Sunday on May 7th. So, so just one big give on that uh, Commitment Sunday. So that's one way that you can financially partner with us. Uh, the second way, which in my opinion in some ways is a healthier way uh, to give, is to actually increase your recurring giving. So there's a lot of us in the room who faithfully give uh, in a recurring way, week in and week out, whether that's online or, or via check. And, and man, we're so grateful for you. But what if for the next two years, you decided to stretch yourself by giving just a little bit more? If all of us did that, it's remarkable how quickly that will add up together towards our goal. Or again, if you're here and you haven't gotten in the game yet as it relates to giving, what if you started by giving just a little bit regularly over the course of those two years? Uh, Next week, we're going to give you an actual commitment card that you can take home and and you can pray about and think about uh, to help determine your gift. And on that commitment card, there's going to be a little chart that shows the impact of what a monthly gift can do over the course of two years. And, And it's remarkable when you actually stop and look at it. So for those who are already giving, we're asking you to maybe stretch for the next two years and increase that giving a little bit. And for those who aren't yet, we're asking you to get in the game. And then the third way that you can be a part of this uh, is through what we're just calling a non-cash donation. This is the creative stuff that people can get into where uh, maybe you've got that Mickey Mantle baseball card, right? And you love it, but you know it's worth something. And like in sacrifice, you're like, maybe I'll sell it and I'll give those proceeds 
uh, to this initiative. Or like millennials, maybe you have your Pokemon cards laying around, right? And they're actually worth something now. So like y you could sell those. Or I mean, I've been a part of initiatives like this before, and it always blows me away, the generosity uh, that people step forward with. People have sold cars before to help make church facilities happen or to help make ministries possible. They've sold land before and given uh, some of the proceeds back. I mean, there's all kinds of ways, and all of us probably, whether it's big or small, all of us probably have something laying around our house that we're like, I could probably do without it, right? Maybe for you, that's what God's asking you to do throughout this season. But again, our number one goal in any or all of those three ways, our number one goal is for all of us who call Story Church our home to be engaged in this journey together. And we're giving you time here to think and to pray about what that could look like for you. And, and our overall financial goal, so goal number two, okay, our financial goal for this initiative is for us to raise $350,000 for us to get into that facility and, and set us up uh, for future ministry impact. And, and so I don't know how the number $350,000 hits you. Uh, I don't have that much personally to give right now, right? If you do, let's talk. And if you're up for it, um, it it's, for me, it's a big number, but it's a healthy number for us. Uh, like I said, we budgeted $100,000 uh, this past year. We brought in about 130, dollars and what the experts in these types of things will tell you is that a healthy stretch goal is about two times your annual giving. So if you factor in our current giving, we're right around that marker where we're gonna try and double our giving through this initiative. And it only happens again if we all get in the game and as far as what we plan to do with the resources that we raise, the number one thing is to develop uh, the property to become our new home. But along the way, uh, we also want to do some outwardly focused things and some things to expand our capacity. Uh, we're looking to add uh, some people to our staff team. Right now, it's just me who's paid staff. And then we have amazing volunteers like Sarah and Nicole and Daryl who step up and lead our ministries. But we're looking to expand our capacity because even though they give and give and give and give, there's only so much you can give, right? Before uh, you need to be able to prioritize your time in a different way. So we're looking to add staff uh, through this initiative. We want to bless some community partners, make a, a difference through people doing great work in this community. And again, we'll give you more specifics in the days ahead of what that looks like. Uh, you may or may not know this, but we're actually a part of something called the New Thing Network, which is a regional network of Indiana churches who are trying to help plant more churches. And so a part of this initiative is we want to give a, a sum of money to a church planter in Indiana to try and help them get a healthy start, just like New Thing actually funded us as we were getting started. Now we're in a spot where we've grown and we can give back and we can keep this idea of planting new churches going because nothing reaches new people like new churches. So that'll be a part of this initiative as well. Uh, I don't know how you're feeling right now, right? We're talking about money and resources and $350,000 and you want me to sell my car? And like, I get it. Uh, Maybe you're asking a question that I've asked frequently throughout this season, which is, can we do this? Like, are we at the right spot for this? Uh, maybe for you personally, you're like, can I do this? Do I actually have a part to play in this? I want to take you back to Abram's story, just as we're about to wrap up, uh, because Abram certainly had that question too. Right? God calls him out, and, and he says yes. Like, he steps out, he packs up his family, they start traveling. Uh, a few chapters later, some of it's gone well, some of it hasn't gone so well. He had some moments of panic and doubt where he lied about certain things and dis disobeyed God and, and there's this tension in it. And he gets to this moment uh, in Genesis chapter 15 where he's just frustrated and he's like, God, the plan's not happening, like you said, right? I'm going and it's not working and he's ready to give up and God shows up and God calls Abram to go out of his tent and here's what he says. It says, he took him outside and God said, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them. And then he said to Abram, so shall your offspring 
be. And there's so much power in that. Like Abram standing out there with all of his doubts and all of his questions and all of his unknown and all of his, where, like, where do I go and how do I go and what's it going to look like? And God's like, hey, 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 come on, come on. Look at all that. That's what I'm going to do through you. Right? That's how faithful I am. That's how I'm going to show up. And look, I don't know what the journey is going to look like. Right? I, I don't know what your role in it is. I think that's something that you and God uh, should do some business. You and your family should, should talk about and should figure out over these next few weeks. But what I do know is that God is always faithful to show up when we step out. God is always faithful to show up when we're willing to say, yeah, God, I'll risk it. Right? I'll, I'll step out and I'll trust you. And, and this opportunity for us, it, it's about us setting up a future for Story Church that goes beyond us. It, it really is an opportunity more than it's an ask. It's an opportunity for us to literally have brick and mortar presence in our community. I mean, I can't stress how much I think that's going to do for us. And, and here's what I want you to know as we're wrapping up. I'm in. Okay, I'm in it too. You may or may not know this, but like my family and I give to this church. Um, I know it's kind of weird because I've also paid by this church, but, but we're a part of it. Uh, just like you, I believe that leaders should set the pace. And so we're going to be a part of this initiative as well. We're having conversations about what sacrifice looks like for us over the course of the next two years. And we're going to be a part of it. Our key leaders around here are going to be a part of it. Some of you have already been a part of it through your over and above extravagant generosity. And here's what I'm asking for you today. It's not to give a dime to this initiative today. But rather, there's two things I would love for you to do. One, I would love for you to start praying. Start praying about what your role might be. And in fact, on your way out, we're going to hand you a little business card. It's just got the IMN logo on the front. And on the back, it has a simple prayer that I'd love to invite you to pray over the course of these next four weeks. And it says, God, how do you want to use me for the IMN vision? It's a simple prayer, but it's so powerful if you listen to the answer and the nudges that you receive on the other side of it. So join me for these next four weeks in praying. And the second thing I'd love for you to join me in doing is prioritizing this season that we're stepping into together. Like if you can at all, be here the next four weeks as we talk about uh, where we're going together and what God's doing and how valuable your role is in it. Come to church, because my hope is that this really is a spiritual journey for us. It's not just that God does something through us, but that God actually does something in us over these next four weeks as we intentionally invite him to stretch us and to challenge us and to help us know uh, what our role is. So as you leave today, join me in praying over these next four weeks about what your role might be and what God's going to do next here at Story. And, and join me in prioritizing these next few weeks. I mean, there's three more left after this. You get credit for today, so way to go. Uh, join me in prioritizing being here and especially being here on that Commitment Sunday as we all go in together for what God's going to do next. And uh, to wrap up, I want to just tell you a story about um, my first launch team meeting for the first version of this church. <laughs> so we were called Oak Brook Church in those days. Uh, we were a campus of a larger church and we were um, gathered together and I was so nervous. Like I didn't know if anybody other than my mom was going to show up and <laughs> thankfully some of you did. Some of you are still here. Um, but I remember I got up there and, and we were just talking about like, hey, this is who, what we're going to do, right? And, and this is who we're going to be and this is what our church is going to look like in, in the future. And uh, afterwards, like I, I made it through right? and I was walking down and I was all sweaty and freaked out and nervous. Uh, and I remember this leader, this mentor walked up to me who had shown up just to support me. And he's like, hey, way to go. You did a great job. Like everything's really good. And, and then he's like, but hey, a little bit of feedback. This guy loved to give feedback too soon. You ever know somebody like that? But anyway, he gave me some feedback. He's like, you said the phrase, I don't know what we're doing a lot. And he's like, the first time you said it, it was funny, right? It was endearing. And the second and the third time, it was okay. But like the fourth and the fifth time, they're going to start believing you. <laughs> 
that you don't know what you're doing. And I, I heard him, right? And it, again, we do have a plan uh, around here. We work pretty hard to try and be responsible. But here I am four years later, and guess what I'm gonna tell you? I don't know what we're doing, okay? I, I, I don't fully know what the plan's gonna look like. I don't fully know how it's gonna work out. As these opportunities show up, I feel like the surge of excitement and the surge of anxiety of like, what if this is the wrong one, right? What if this is me and not God? What if this is my ego or ambition or anything like that along the way? So I don't know what we're doing exactly in the next four weeks, in the next two years, right, as we step into what's next. But here's what I do know. I know I'm in. I know I'm in for it. I know I'm trying to get a sense of what God's leading me to do personally, and I'm going to give him a yes on the other side of whatever that is. And the invitation for you today is, again, not to know a number. It's not to know an answer. It's to simply open yourself up and to say, God, I'm in, right? I'll, I'll pray about it. I'll consider it. I'll figure out what I can do and how I can be a part of where we're headed next, not just for my sake, but for the sake of the people we're called to reach, for the reason that we even gather together, for the reason we started this whole thing in the first place. So as we wrap up, uh, we're gonna sing a song and I wanna invite you to do whatever you need to do during this. Like I'm gonna give you a little bit of space, partially because I need to put on my guitar, <laughs> partially because I think it's a good thing for us to take a moment and to reflect. And I just wanna invite you to, to maybe start asking that question right now. God, how do you wanna use me for this I'm in vision? And we're gonna sing this song together that says, Jesus, I will follow you anywhere, wherever you lead me, and wherever it costs me. And maybe for you, that's your first prayer and your first step in participating in where we're going for the next few years. So take a moment, and then as you feel led, let's sing and let's respond to God together as we close. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in or near the Peru, Indiana area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. To find directions, service times, and information about our environments for kids, visit us at storyperu.com.